and welcome back to another episode of Free the Geek FM. In this episode, I am really, really excited to have a chat with my good friend and my all things testing mentor, Mr. Tom Oram. See you in a second. And welcome back to another episode of Free the Geek FM. Specifically, welcome back to the Kicking It Off Again episode, if you will. I know, guilt is charged. My hand is in the air here, though you can't see it. Uh, Yeah, there's been a bit of a lag in the episodes recently. I know I promised that it would be out every two weeks. It was for quite a good chunk of time, let's be fair. But then it stopped. Um... I can only sort of say hand on heart, I am sorry about that. Just briefly, there is a reason why, and it's and it ties in with a change in the theme of the sh- of the show of the podcast from here on in. And that is basically that I took on too much work. Specifically, um, you know, I was working on a side project or sort of a couple of side projects um, as I was. You'll find out why I, why I say that in past tense. I was a freelancer, full time freelancer for for a good chunk of the last two years. Um, I was working on a whole, you know, sort of series of work and decided, uh, sorry, decided, had the good fortune of taking up a near full-time role with a wonderful company based out of New York City called Refinery29. Now, me being me, I'm, I'm the ambitious type. I'm the, yeah, look, we can just do this. It'll work. Um, push came to shove and I just realized that, um, how can I give this the right impression with this? You know, I, I, I had sort of too much all going on at one time, and so something had to give. And I take, you know, my roles, my uh, contracts and so forth very seriously. So to try to do them all and to do the show, which, look, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm not familiar I'm not sure if, you know, you're familiar with, you know, what it takes to create a podcast, you know, getting guests, recording the intro such as this, recording the the interviews, the discussions and so forth, doing post-production, all those sorts of things. But it, it can become quite time intensive. And to do everything that I was doing, you know, this, uh, I'm, I'm going to kind of sound like I'm, I'm doing enormous amounts of praise, taking this wonderful new role on, you know, plus my side project plus this podcast, it just became too much. I should say, plus, you know, being a father, being a husband, you know, something had to give. And unfortunately, um, it for me, it just, it had to be the podcast. Now, since that time, you know, I've sort of reorganized myself. Uh, my side projects are sort of, are now done and so forth. So it's just work and the podcast. So given that, I'm back. And I am going to say to you, as, as genuinely as I can say this, that the show is going to be back on schedule and keep coming out at that regular interval from here on in. Now, given that I am no longer a full-time freelancer, what's that mean given the current strapline of the show, which is basically helping freelancers? Um, if you're a freelancer and you're hooked on the show because of that, please don't think I'm, I'm, you know, I'm kicking you to the curb. That's not what I'm doing at all. I'm just, I'm kind of... I'm moving a bit to the left, if you will. I'll say left because I'm a left-hander. Um, and more specifically, what I'm going to do is just go more general for us as developers and how we can have great careers. Specifically, every episode, I'm going to look at one particular theme, and that could be me as just speaking individually. It could be the current theme that we've been going with so far, which is uh, myself and one guest, or ideally, it can be a panel of guests, which I'd really like to, to get into. And we'll discuss one particular topic that can most that can help us as developers have a really great career over the course of that career. Like a long one and a really enjoyable, really meaningful, ideally well-paid one. And to kick off that in this episode, what I'm going to talk about is testing. Now, I don't want to keep you too much longer. I've gone on for about five minutes here. I have the pleasure of having my very sagely, wonderful good friend, Tom Oram, who has been also my mentor in in uh, 
the realm of testing, in addition to the wonderful Uncle Bob Martin. And I got Tom on, partly because I've just wanted to, to have a good chat to Tom on the show, but partly because I've wanted to have a good chat to him um, and share it with you and sh- you know have him share his knowledge about testing. Because how, how can I say it with, with sounding like I'm... I'm, I'm kissing up, really. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm looking for a less crass term. Tom is is I can only say again sagely. He has he really kind of grabbed me, if you will, and and showed me perhaps without even realizing it the re- how significant testing is. And he'll cover more on this in the interview in in the interview in the fireside chat in in just a minute. He he showed me not only the importance of testing, but how it changes your perspective, how it changes your outlook on software and software craftsmanship as a whole. And I really can't elucidate or or kind of spell out exactly what I mean there. And I hope by listening to our discussion, it'll come across. But it's significant. And I really mean that seriously. I, I don't say that lightly. I say significant because if you don't do testing and then you start doing it, your whole mindset changes or it changes over time. You see the quality of your code dramatically improve. You see the way you think about it, the way you approach it, the way you develop it, what you put in, what you don't. The, the whole flow, if you will, it, it just it, it metamorphosizes into something significantly better. And as Adam Culp touched on, or well, went on, uh, I guess, properly at length in, in his podcast, Run Geek Radio, recently, I'll have a link to that in the show notes too, it helps you be that better developer, someone who, when your boss, your client, uh, management and so forth says to you, how long will this take, it really, really, truly helps you know what that answer is and gives them that answer with certainty. You know, you know what that answer is, you know why you give that answer, and you know that you can back it up. Anyway, without further ado, I give you the discussion, the fireside chat with my good friend Tom Orham, the sagely man himself, who will impart to you, I hope, why testing is something that you can't see as something separate from software craftsmanship, from software development. And I'll see you after the chat. When we first got to chatting, what, all, what, a year, two years ago, a couple of years ago? A couple of years at least, I think. It was, I, I think that the, the, the thing that got me the most was testing, because I admit, hand on heart, very shameful, I wasn't exactly the world's greatest tester. Uh, not to say I am now, but I feel I've come a long way, primarily through your tutelage. Um, I'm just kind of curious, what got you into testing uh, way back whenever that was? Okay, it's not quite so way back as you might think, really. Mm-hmm. Um, I was kind of aware of it for quite a long time, um, probably since, I guess, around around about 2000, you know, when the sort of XP, Kent Books XP book came out and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I could see that people were doing it, but I didn't really know what it was about. I knew that it would be a great idea to do and it would be something that would be really nice to have. Mm. Um but that was about it, you know. I never had the time to do it, or to learn it, or to understand what it was really about. Um, so it just sat, you know, on the back burner, or or as an idea for quite a long time. Um, and then over the course of the next maybe five years or so, um, just no thoughts of it at all, really. Um, even sort of saying, you know, I don't really see the point because, you know, it's you're making double the effort writing all this extra code that's for just for testing and you know it'd be great if i had the time to do it but i don't have that time Mm -hmm. um and i sort of missed a massive point to it which was what tdd was what test-driven development was Mm -hmm. i hadn't realized that test-driven development wasn't necessarily about testing but it was more about driving the development um and I sort of came round to the idea that I should start trying to test. Um, and I started um, 
just you know looking at the php unit framework was where i kind of started with it worked out what it did had a little play with it and kind of stupidly missed all the resources that were available all the books that were out there all the videos everything that's out there on the net now that you can go and read about how to do it i sort of missed it all and just kind of worked it out myself and made a huge mess of it um you know i made a, a the project i was working on I, I made a test suite that was pretty harmful really you know to change anything was much more effort fixing the tests than it was fixing the code um and then I started having little revelations through, you know, finding the right documentation stuff, the right books, the right, you know, tutorials, or whatever. Hmm. Um, I guess the first one being that not all code is testable. Um, you know, uh, I was writing code that was close to what is testable, but ne wasn't necessarily testable. Um, I, I guess dependency injection being the big part of that. Um, without it, then it can be quite hard to test things when they get to a certain size hmm. um and then realizing that test-driven development was a a design process more than testing process and that was the big the the kind of big realization really that you know it wasn't just about you know writing the test first was that what i'd heard so i thought well does that mean that you write a whole test for a whole unit or class that you're trying to create and then write that um, I hadn't really clocked onto the idea that it was an incremental process that you, you know, you, you write the smallest test possible and that um, leads to, you know, the actual design of your, your code. Okay. So it was a long process. <laughs> <laughs> I guess as, as many things are, but when you, when you said, it, what did you say it was, it was more of, it was a design process or, or it guides or leads development rather than... Uh, was it like like a test process? Yes. Are, are you are you meaning that aspect of how, or at least this is what I've come to find myself? Um, what, what do you call it, Yagni? I was listening to to, to No Capes with with Kayla Daniels and, and Uncle Bob earlier, and it was it was that you ain't gonna need it. That idea that because, well, I guess it's maybe it's two separate points that overlap because you sort of you write in a in a test driven approach therefore you write um was it you implement only enough to pass the test do, do you mean it from that perspective that you kind of it kind of guides what you do and don't write <clears throat> excuse me as it guides sort of what you do and don't write so it's designed in that way or do you mean sort of oh, overall it's more of a kind of like a mindset that it kind of forces or guides you into having? What, what exactly do you mean Let me try and think if I can put this into words. Um, I think, I mean, the Yagni sort of idea is is a very small part of it. You know, it, uh -huh. the, the idea being that, you know, if you want to um, write an algorithm that does something, um, but you only need, like, a certain subset of that algorithm, like, you mm. know, say, say uh, you've got a... Um, uh, something that you feed in a load of numbers and it gives you back, you know, some calculation on those numbers. Um, but you know that you only need those um, or you're only going to need to use that for a range of 1 to 10. Mm -hmm. Then you may not need to implement the whole algorithm if you can get it pass, to pass from 1 to 10. Um, but, you know, you could dig in a, a lot deeper and... and uh, kind of you know complete the algorithm mm. um that's sort of i guess that's one thing that you could say has got that yagni kind of idea but i mean that's not really what i was getting at okay um when i say it leads to design or it's part of the design program process um testing and test-driven development are two completely different things as far as i'm concerned oh, that's um, interesting yeah testing is <clears throat> Making sure that your code is tested um, to avoid um, regressions, basically mm -hmm. um, things where you go and you know do some work on the on the system and end up breaking another part of the system. Um, that having those tests is a outcome of test driven development, but it's not really what test driven development is about. Okay. Um, so the idea with test driven development is that you try to 
um, approach the problem from sort of like the smallest possible step first. Um, so rather than trying to construct a huge idea of the the thing that you're trying to implement, mm. you um, kind of just start by satisfying one criteria. Um, so you 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 set up your first test, which is just testing the simplest possible sort of behavior. Mm. And then you kind of add behavior on. And as you're doing that, you're kind of writing code and throwing it away again as you write each each step because the simplest code to solve the first test is probably just returning a constant value yeah. you know so so that's like the first test that you write now that implementation is kind of um you know is 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 it's useless it's it's just return one is you know no good to anyone um but as you write the next test you throw that away and and expand on it and as you do that you sort of see the the shape of the code emerge from that mm. rather than trying to make it so that you're writing the code that you'd already thought about. And often, um, you know, the, the solution is simpler, more elegant, um, you know, just better structured than, than what you thought about before. Um, and then that sort of leads on to how you actually interact with, with individual or, or multiple units. So I'm, I'm sort of talking there about, you know, writing the test for one little unit of code. But then when you start saying, well, how does this unit interact with this unit, mm. then it starts to kind of lead you down a path of, um, you know, seeing seeing how how they interact or how where the separations are between these units. Okay. Um, I hope it's making sense. So it, it is, it is. Um, and I see what you're saying. And from... Uh, the, the increasing amount that I that I do with it, it makes an enormous amount of sense. Um, and I found that by following at least my own version, if you will, and I say my own version because you know I'm st it's still a, a learning um, exercise in progress. That the the code I wrote became better, or I became more comfortable with it. Primarily, I, I guess it's for two reasons, as you said, as you. It's, it's that thought process that, that, that changes instead of, okay, here's how I would write this, blah, 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 and can I check it later, if at all? Instead, it's, I guess, you you have written it perhaps like leaner, simpler, without certain things that you might have thought were involved, whereas when you had the test there to sort of kind of, I guess, challenge you to truly think about it, that the, the resultant code, as you said, I think is, is better and cleaner. Um, and also having sort of tests in place to to verify the existing functionality is also, I think, fantastic because I think maybe for peace of mind. Yeah, absolutely. That becomes invaluable. You know, as as the system grows, you 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 know, the, having that that safety net there, for lack of a better word, just you know makes your job so much easier. Well, exactly. And then that that common, you know, that that common critique. And I'll, I'll cite Uncle Bob again. Um, I'm not, you know, sort of doing, you know, like worshiping in the altar of Uncle Bob, uh, for one of a better metaphor. I, it's just between the two of you, I've just, you know, it's really changed my whole kind of perspective on, on software development. Um, anyway, so I'll, I'll stop doing the, the, the massive plugs and, and the, the fanboy thing here. Um, <laughs> and simply say that you have the test in place and it, it generally, I think, avoids that, that moment of okay hi we have a feature request can we do this oh yeah yeah of course we can change something over here randomly out there in the wilderness something breaks and you go but that shouldn't have happened why did that but but i did i didn't quite you know doing my air quotes here touch anything related to that um and to perhaps oh not segue but i had a situation in in a project i'm on uh at the moment where there is uh, i think sort of quite a heavy amount of uh code coverage and because I went through and I thought, okay, here's, here's next feature. All right, to do that, I would probably um, have to touch these, say, six areas for just picking a number at random. And then I, I, th I think I, I put a test in place. This is trying to remember here. Put a test in place for where I thought I had to, to start um, adding functionality on and made an adjustment but then running the remainder of the, the, and sorry, and I ran that basic test as I 
put bits of functionality in place in this new segment or as I was revising a segment. As I then ran the full suite, bang, there comes up something. Hang on, you've changed this, which... And I thought, and it helped me to remember to say, oh, wait a second, I forgot in... Because maybe it just wasn't fresh in mind that, oh, yeah, this is related to these two points over here. So it was great to kind of yeah, have that, not canary in the coal mine, but just like a spotlight onto, oh, right, I forgot that that links to this. And it, and it helps keep everything together and remind you of things without you having to always think about it. True. Um, sorry, I'm, I, I'm always very self-conscious that I think I'm meandering <laughs> or I'm saying... It's, it's good. Um, yeah. Interesting to, to hear how you approach it or how you, how you see it. Um, for me, what you're talking about is still uh, a side product, uh, okay. a, a happy side effect. of, oh, of Brilliant side effect. Absolutely. I mean, it, it's it's just vital to, to the ongoing of a project, and especially if you're bringing new people on as well. But mm -hmm. there's kind of like the there's there's sort of benefits before that, which okay. is, is is the test driven development side, the 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 test driven part, mm -hmm. that that the actual design of your application can be you know heavily influenced by the way that you write your tests, um, and that that's kind of that's what it's sort of about for me um the having that test coverage afterwards is you know that that's a a goal that should be there mm -hmm. but it shouldn't be like the driving force see i think that like code coverage in a way is often used like a like a metric that's sort of meaningless really because um if you're doing test driven development there should be no way that your your code coverage can't be you know as near to 100% as it can be okay. uh, because no line of code should ever be written without a supporting test. Um, so quite often I think, you know, if you're writing sort of code and you've got your code coverage tool running there and you're adding tests to fill the gaps, mm. kind of working backwards and it's, it's sort of, you're, you're still missing. I mean, if you do that, you're, it, it's great because you've got tests, covering your code yeah you're going to avoid you know a lot of breakages but there's also going to be gaps in your test coverage which you're just unaware of because you never saw that red failing test first to prove that there's a test that's going to break um you know when when this is changed mm -hmm. um with the exception of um this mutation testing um which has kind of popped out and been a bit of a thing over um christmas time i guess that mm -hmm. the humbug test suite was or testing tool was released okay. i've not had a play with it but that's have you seen it um no i haven't but i will i will scribble a note right now yeah i've not um, had with it but the idea being that it will run through your code and and change bits of your code and make sure that tests fail um to ensure that that coverage is there and i think this sort of thing and again co code coverage checking tools are useful for legacy projects which have no code coverage and you're trying to raise it up yeah um and make sure that you're never kind of like adding more code and l lowering the coverage but in mm -hmm. terms of you know if you're starting a fresh app and you're you know you're doing tdd then your code coverage should always be you know complete really do you have a on the term of coverage of, of coverage uh i hear people seem to say a lot about that there's it, it should be at least x percent which is usually somewhere from about 80 to 82 percent up to somewhere near 100 um or it should be really high is it maybe we've got two questions coming out of this right do you do you have like a magic number or i shouldn't say magic number it's like a specific figure it should be at least this um and then secondly why okay um Yes, I have got an answer to that question, and it's not quite a simple magic number. Okay. Um, Didn't figure it would be. No. <laughs> um, there's, there's different levels of testing and different types of testing. Mm. Um, and I guess what I've kind of primarily been speaking about so far is, is TDD unit testing. Mm -hmm. um, now, that stuff, like I sort of said earlier, you know, you can it, it works well on, a, on code that's 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 testable um, um, and, and if it's the code has been written out of the TDD cycle then it's obviously testable 
Um, but then you sort of have, uh, you know, your integration tests, your acceptance tests, things that check the, the system at a much sort of higher level. Mm-hmm. Um, and with that stuff, you sort of test, you know, you quite often will test end to end. There may be stuff that you might mock out. You might mock out communication to external services. Mm-hmm. You may or may not go through your, your user interface. Um, but this stuff will cover, you know, the path through through the code right from end to end. But it's not as granular as, as the unit test. The, the unit tests will test every single possibility through the bit of code that it's testing. Mm-hmm. So check every path with, you know, sort of all relevant values. Um, whereas these sort of uh, um, end-to-end type tests will cover less sort of edge cases and everything. So they're, they're, the idea is that they're caught by all the unit tests. They're covered by the unit tests. But it tests that the behavior of the system is as expected. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, it's it's quite interesting to think of it like a pyramid. There's something called the testing pyramid. Um, you know, it's one of these triangles with uh, unit testing at the bottom. You've got sort of integration testing in the middle and you've got acceptance testing at the top. Mm-hmm. And the idea being that, um, you know, the bottom of the pyramid's wide, so you have a lot of unit tests and then you have a slightly less or, or lesser amount of integration tests and you have a lesser amount of acceptance tests at the top. Mm-hmm. Um, but they sort of support each other. So you can have few acceptance tests but they're supported, you know, all the edge cases, all the little sort of niggly kind of error conditions that could happen or whatever, they're all covered by your your massive unit tests at the bottom. Mm-hmm. Now, um, when I'm kind of writing stuff, I tend to separate the business logic from um, all the, the UI, the database interaction, everything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I... If, I don't know if you're familiar with hexagonal architecture or something like that. A little, yeah. It's it's on my um, uh, active reading list at the moment, which is always huge. I'm, sure. I'm a, I'll just the short answer. I'm I'm aware of it. I'm just not too actively familiar with it. Okay, so it's it's not necessarily all about that, but but this sort of idea, the idea with hexagonal architecture, is that you you know the hexagon rec- is sort of in the center, and yeah. everything within that hexagon is like um your your business logic your domain logic the the you know the the code that deals with the rules of your business or the yeah. system you're trying to model okay um everything outside of that is is all the communication that goes on so that's like you know talking to apis um talking to you know your user interface your uh-huh. database all that sort of stuff and the idea being is that everything within the hexagon doesn't know about anything outside it Okay. Yeah. So you use um, sort of dependency inversion to mean that you plug the services from the outside into it. So you'll use the sort of adapter pattern a lot. Yeah. Um, so given that, um, you sort of want to put as much of your business logic inside as possible. You know, okay. you want it all inside there, and then you'd have like you know thin layers to your user interface and so on. And to answer your question. Everything inside that hexagon for me should be 100% code coverage, oh, for testing. Okay. He's, yeah. Yeah. So, so I, I think that anything less than than that is 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 no good really. Um, you you know it it will happen by accident. You know you'll miss a little a little thing here and there, but you shouldn't do. It, you know if you if you're following the TDD cycle strictly, you should never miss. You know you should you should have 100% code coverage. Okay. Outside of that, you want to keep those layers as thin as possible, and then, like I said, you cover that using your your um, your uh, acceptance tests or your you know whatever other end to end testing you have. Um, mm. And I think that's you know that should be high. It should cover everything, um, but it's not done in that granular you know line by line sort of statement by statement approach. So okay. it's it's a bit. I don't know a bit, bit sort of uh, gentler, but you have less less code there to test. Okay, all right. Here's here's another question. Say for example, you had uh, integration tests on an API, for example, um, and you were using 
like a Macanarim or um, a um, in in terms fail me right now. Uh, like something like like doctrine or what's what's the one called the, the Laravel one eloquent or like yeah in, insert database library here. Sure. Um, that's always a database abstraction layer. Um, and in there you had uh, things like uh, like the you know the actual sort of part where when you went to sort of persist that information and you had. Sorry, I'll, I'll back up a bit. Yeah, like like a try catch around the part where the actual sort of persistence of of said information goes to your underlying data store. Mm. Um, and from say an integration point of view, you you couldn't test that if if my understanding is correct because you couldn't sort of make it fail as it were. So integration tests to say if I send incorrect data or malformed data, it should you know. Uh, come back with a certain kind of response and a certain kind of um, response body to say, you know, data was malformed, error code, blah. Um, and you can simulate that quite simply from the outside by the data that you put in being sure. incorrect or uh, not well formed and so on. But something like um, an error going wrong um, with your, say, your data persistence layer, sure. you can't necessarily mock that unless I guess you just pull a service out and you, you somehow did some sophisticated setup in your test to make it fail. Sure. Um, so I guess the, the, the question behind, behind that is, is, one, would you let that go because it should work and it should, and the persistence layer itself should be tested separately, assuming you, know, you didn't write that layer? Um, or would you, okay, question, then question two, would you, try to do some fancy thing in your test to make it fail and, and see that it was handled correctly or three uh, would you then say okay go to a unit test and kind of mock up your persistence layer and then when it fa and then sort of test for okay now I will uh, mock the response as, as being a failure and, and look at it that way or would you just skip it any of those um I would look at the importance of it, really. Okay. Um, you know, if it was a persistence layer on, you know, a little CMS for, you know, a little, I don't know, a little sort of blog or something like that mm -hmm. that isn't getting a lot of traffic, you know, it's not hugely important, then, you know, I might look it over, say, you know, hey, that's, you know, that's pretty, um, you know, it, it's it's clear what's going on. I mean, this is coming back to the idea of you keep these layers as thin as possible. Mm -hmm. So it's it's very thin. Um, you know, all you know, I, I'm I've got my tests in place that test that I can fetch data out of it. I can display it. Um, that works fine. Um, everything's behaving as it should be. Um, if the persistence layer goes down and it's going to throw an exception. Um, maybe if I know what those exceptions are, you know, maybe I could write a little bit of defensive code in there and, you know, maybe it doesn't have to be tested and, and that's it. You know, it, it's, it's the, all the sort of, you know, good cases are there, they're covered. But if it's a system where, you know, this is very important, you know, that, you know, any, you know, if it goes down, we need to know about it, you know, we need to deal with it quickly. Um, it's got to be done, you know, it's, it's always got to be up, you know, and, and if this failure happens, it's, it's got to be dealt with straight away. Mm. Um, then you sometimes have to get a bit creative. Um, you know, sometimes you might sit there and um, try and uh, find ways to actually, you know, have a, a mock persistence layer. And by a mock persistence layer, I don't necessarily mean a coding mock. I mean, like a, a local instance of the, of the database server, you know, try and actually break it, find mm. out if there's ways you can programmatically programmatically break it mm. um, and make it cause these errors um you know that might be one way to test it with some sort of integration testing from that layer but another way again is to separate it even further so if there's if there is logic in your in your sort of uh this integration layer that you're testing so say um it takes uh a, a, a data structure in and from that it builds a um you know a, a a map, a hash, an associative array, um, and then it passes that into some, you know, database library, you know, insert method or something like that. 
um, you know, just separating out that insert method and, and basically completely isolating just the calls to the database and then testing everything sort of within there mm -hmm. and and just being sure that that you know all exceptions that you you know come could come from there are then mocked out and you you test them and catch them in in the area that you can test the sort of layer in between am, am i sort of making sense yeah 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 it makes sense i was just sort of curious because i just looked at it and partly maybe i was just being a bit pedantic on pushing my own knowledge you know like i wanted to make sure that i had it right but then and, and what i mean by right is you know this should be an integration or this should be a unit test but then i was kind of wondering is there such a thing as you know are the, are the rules just sort of so hard and fast or is it really a, a kind of a case by case or a good judgment and good judgment yeah. i guess coming from experience sure um, i mean i think it's it's much like many things you know there's there's hard and fast rules that are dictated by you know, um, you know, experienced people who have, who have done a lot of kind of research into this. They've mm -hmm. tried it out. They've got a lot of experience with it. And you know, these these rules come out and they're formed. But um, you know, they're 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 sort of there to be broken. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that when you're when you're learning this these processes, um, and probably this goes for anything really, when you're learning it, you should really um, stick to these rules. Mm -hmm. um, and you know sort of do them sort of diligently even if you feel that they're they're kind of hurting you um you know this is from a sort of learning perspective mm. you know rather than maybe a maybe a you know actually working on production kind of mm -hmm. perspective but you know you should stick to these things and then find you know through experience and doing it enough you'll start to find where you know the edges you, you know where where it's not appropriate anymore um okay and, uh, and and a great example of this, you know, you, you referenced Uncle Bob earlier on, who's uh, you know obviously a, a, a you know very well known and uh, experienced person in this field, sort of a leader really. Mm -hmm. um, and his he does this series of videos called uh, Clean Coders, mm -hmm. Clean, Co Clean Coders, um, and you know he for the first thirty odd videos, you know he was hammering home. TDD, TDD, and then he did an example, and um, and and stood there and goes right. Um, I wrote all these tests last, um, and I didn't do little unit tests like this and all of that. And and he, you know, he he said that he had quite a uh, a think about it, you know, before before releasing this video, you know, and and had a real strong sort of um, question as to you know should I be, you know, telling people to do this, mm -hmm. but. The fact is, is that what he was doing was appropriate to what he was trying to achieve. You know, that problem um, was not something that, you know, could have been easily achieved using, you know, the normal unit driven uh, unit test TDD cycle. Okay. So, so you know, through his experience of of that of of you know testing and software design altogether, mm. you know, he he came to the you know, understanding that this is the the way that's needed for this situation, and that that will probably be the case with, you know, any system that you build of any size. There's going to be areas where you're going to have to go. You know, is is this the is this the right way to do this? Is this the, you know, the most pragmatic approach, if you like? You know, um, and you have to adjust it and 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 but be sure that you're still doing. You know. A professional job you know you're still making sure that the coverage is there the the system works um and everything is done well um but getting to the point where you can make those decisions i think just you know it comes from experience and never stop thinking you know when you're doing when you're doing this stuff never really kind of get comfortable in the the, the process that you're doing is the right process and you know, if you just keep doing it forever, it'll be fine. You know, always question it. Always mm -hmm. think about, you know, is this, is this seems to be working. It's taking me a bit longer than I think it should. Or maybe I'm writing tests that just look too big. You know, mm -hmm. I'm having to do lots of setup in order to do my test. Why is that? Um, you know, I'm, I'm creating a lot more things than I should. Or I'm creating classes that are huge, you know, and maybe they should be, smaller any of these things anything that you're 
you're looking at and thinking, is this the best way I can do it? You know, spend a little bit of time thinking about it. Um, and and from there, I think, you know, that's where where deeper understanding comes from. Okay. Well, I mean, that, I guess that makes a lot of sense because I've often heard it remarked that the essential job of a programmer isn't actually to type, it's to think. Mm. Um, it's, you know, like how many lines did you produce today? Well, it's kind of an, an irrelevant metric in that if you produced a thousand lines and, well, I don't know, even any or all, all were wrong or pointless, then it's, it's a, a pointless sort of uh, metric of, of quality. Um, looking at, okay, here's, here's another hypothetical. Um, and perhaps this is kind of getting out of testing more into uh, the mantra of, of the, what, what makes for a proper commit. So if, if I am going out, like say going out that way, then let me know and, or maybe we can just explore it. Yeah, yeah, but, let's go with it. But for example, say on this other project I was working on, um, it was a, like a Zend Expressive project. Um, and, I, and I sat down and I thought, okay, now here is my next unit of functionality uh, that I need to, or my next ticket or whatever or feature that I need to, to implement. And yeah, I think this actually is getting out into like, well, the commit, but whatever. And and you sort of start to like you you do one bit, but then and and because you, you legitimately think that's a good place to start, or it seems most obvious. But then as you do that one, you realize you actually can't finish that one until you do perhaps maybe one or two other areas. Would you? And I'll try and keep this on to to testing would you sort of leave the test in place and, and keep leaving it fail and then go work on those other areas, make them work, which in turn, I guess, would, would lead to your original test passing? Or would you sort of stop and only kind of work on the area that you could pass first and then do the one which, I guess, uh, uh, it depended on second or third and so on? Sure. Um I think what you do on your own computer and in, in your own development branch is sort of up to you, really. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you can you can kind of do whatever works best for you in terms of, um, you know, how, how you can keep your, your trail of thought there. Mm -hmm. The question is, you know, at what point does that get merged into the master branch? Mm -hmm. um, you know, and... Again, it, it's on a, I guess, on a project by project or team by team um, basis that you have to make these decisions of your your protocol, your conventions. Like, um, you know, generally, I think it's probably quite widely accepted that you know the master branch should always be green. Mm. Um, so, you know, if you're doing something like that and you're you're, you know, you're working on one area, and you know, you're you're kind of. Uh, you find that you need to work somewhere else, um, but they're they're sort of supporting each other. You know that you can't actually maybe um, put one to one side and and get the other one done first. So that would probably be my first uh, thing: is is can I instead of doing this, can I just sort of shelve this branch, mm. a new branch, and get the 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 other one done first, get that committed, and then come back to this one that that's supporting that one. Mm -hmm. Um, if I can do that, then that would probably be be my choice. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, if if you're putting a lot of things together that need to be put together, um, yeah, I I wouldn't like the idea of committing broken tests to the master. Um, in rare cases, I might put something that's pending in there. Mm -hmm. um, but if if it's red, then then no, I, I wouldn't put it into the master. However. You know, if I'm working on something and it's the end of the day or something like that, I'll quite regularly commit a a failing test to my branch, okay. uh, to my to my development branch, the, for the, the the simple reason that the next day when I come back and I sit down at the computer and I don't know what I'm doing, I just run the test suite. You get red and straight away your head's back in <laughs> in, the, okay. in the thought process you were in, you know, the day before. That's interesting. But uh, yeah, yeah. Ultimately, I I think you you've got to you know, come to some idea with your team as to, you know, what your, you know, what works best for you. All right. Okay. I've got, I, this is kind of turning it to be really fun. Um, cause as I've got sort of one more question, I then think of another one. Um, 
can I can I just uh, sort of inject there just yeah. one step, which is the the other thing that I'd question about that is that whether or not the 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 feature that you're working on the the ticket or the planning yeah. is right. So you know maybe it's not so much an issue with the 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 testing and how you how you do it, but maybe the the choice of the feature that you've or how you split up the features or uh -huh. or ideas might be something that might be worth looking at instead. Okay. Well said. Mm. Um, I admit, like the the project in question was on one of those proverbial um, "we need it sort of tomorrow" kind of deadlines. Um, sure. So certain things in in planning were uh, skimmed or skimped on a bit. Um, although I was very happy to sort of say in that case that uh, testing was something that I, I was huge on. I mean, as I I guess I come to learn the differences as you're explaining it between. TDD and testing, it was still that testing as, as a was a central component for me. And I sort of see it like, like night and day, you know, you can't say that you're doing software development without, uh, testing in place. Sure. And I'll, and I'll, I'll have a more nuanced answer as I come to understand it better. But yeah, and, and I don't know, anecdotally, it, it, uh, I don't know whether it went over well with the client in question. Or just the way I said it was like, okay, great. But I was just happy that they didn't buck and say, oh, but no, 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 it just, it, it just needs to work. You know, yeah, make it work, you know? But anyway, that's just getting anecdotal. Yeah. Um, I was watching some videos and maybe these are just cliched or, or, or too much, too talked about. But it was between, uh, was it David Henry Hansen, uh, Kent Beck and another hero of mine, Martin Fowler. Yes. Um, this is the TD is TDD dead? Yes. Yes. What, what do you sort of think about the opinion or, or the point that he raised? Where, and I thought it was good how how he raised it when, uh, not not when he was called on it, but but when Martin, I think particularly perhaps more so than Kent, um um pushed maybe him to explore to explore his own thinking, uh when he said he had. His concern at times with TDD was that he felt it was kind of almost like a, at a religion level of you have to do these things and it's just how it is. Whereas he said the way he thinks necessitated at times that he would just experiment and go, well, I, I don't really know, have, I don't have a clue at all how I'd do it. So if, you know, for whatever reason, it's new, it's a new concept, library, so on. So I'll just experiment and go, all oh, right, now it's kind of clicked in my head. Right, and now I can take that kind of test-driven uh, cycle and when he said that I thought okay that makes perfect sense but it was interesting to sort of contrast it with Kent and he and he said Kent said he sort of had to have testing because he needed a sense of reassurance that he needed a reassurance or, or a sense of safety or security that what he wrote was quality because he I think in his words he said he got apprehensive when there was nothing there he's like how can I be sure you know sure. How, how can I know that random use case here will cause it to break um how, how do you feel about and perhaps you've answered it by all the things you've said so far but about that you kind of just fiddle and, and you play around with it and perhaps come back to it later is that okay or would you just kind of yeah we will do that we've, we've got to do that i mean that's that's you know something that we do do just to to try things out that we don't really understand mm -hmm. um but should it go into production is is my my question really mm -hmm. um in both of those situations i i you know I, I regularly end up in both those situations one where i don't know what i've got to do next I, you know I've, I've not thought about it enough i've not kind of um you know maybe i'm feeling a bit under the weather or something like that my mind's just not on the game yet i, I need to kind of um you know sort of spin up some way and, and mm -hmm. where do I start you know maybe it's a slightly more complex project problem than I you know was sort of originally aware of mm -hmm. and often you know in that situation I sit there and think right what am I going to do you know am I going to you know add this class here am I going to go and adjust this one here and and just the simple act of writing a, the first test you know an acceptance test mm -hmm. um starts to clarify that okay. you know and as you write more tests the ideas kind of you know, they, they form a bit. Now, I'm, I'm not saying that, that you shouldn't think ahead. I mean, test-driven development requires you to think ahead. But sort of, 
in a in a sort of slightly different way you, you don't need to sit down and analyze everything you're going to do but you do need to be thinking what i'm trying to achieve here and how this this is going to go together um so quite often tests are my my way to you know get myself you know to understand where i'm going mm. but there are other times where you know i i'm, I'm not doing that at all you know I'm, i just want to try some idea out um you know maybe i'm trying a new language out maybe i'm trying a new library out um or or maybe i'm trying out some you know something that i i just don't really understand and i want to have a play with it and i don't really know what i'm trying to achieve mm-hmm. um in which case yeah i'll sit down and i'll write some code and i'll play around with it and i'll get it working and i'll you know hack things about and tweak things about and that's fine um but i won't put that into production um okay. i mean even if i do it on a project that i'm working on so say i've you know i've got some some idea for some some something that i need to do and i hack it together without doing test driven development mm. because i just want to see if it's going to work or something like yeah. that i'll do that and then before i commit it i'll literally comment out the entire all the code i'll, I'll comment the whole lot out mm. and then i'll start writing tests because i need to test i've got to have a test if i'm going to commit it but i'm not going to guess what tests i need because you know if i look at it and i go oh well i think i need to test that and i think i need to test that then i'm just not going to you know cover it properly i'm not going to do it right so what i'll do is i'll comment out all the code and i'll start doing tdd to uncom or to re you know introduce each line mm-hmm. so i'll look at it and i'll say right okay well i need to you know fetch something from the database that's the first thing we're doing here so let's write a test to check that that happens and then write that and, and i'll i'll reinstate all the code iteratively using t- the tdd cycle and of course it might change in that process you know you might adjust it and, mm-hmm. and refactor it and make it nicer um but yeah I, i'm sort of strongly believe that if if your code's going to production and it's it's you know something which is um suitable for for test driven development which is probably like 95 percent of the code that you're writing or something mm-hmm. um then i will i will make sure that i test drive it even if i've already written the code okay um we are i think we're sort of getting close to, to time sure um so is it kind of like 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 wind down are there any particular books or sort of tomes or, or reference works that you think are like like a, a must sort of a must read or like real foundational uh works to to really get your head um get your understanding together regarding tdd and xdd and and so on mm. um like i say i kind of came at it through a bit of a bit of a, a funny angle so maybe i didn't kind of read all the all the real classics on on tdd um there are some some great ones which i've read retrospectively mm-hmm. um but so let's say from the point of view of of PHP, mm-hmm. uh, you know Chris Harches. I hope that's right, Harches. Is that I his think name? So. Yeah, uh, his stuff is is you know obviously invaluable for for PHP developers, and you know that's that's definitely a, a good place to start. Mm-hmm. Um, interestingly, one of the the um, uh, the books that actually got my my head. Um, right into it was a, a C++ book by a guy called Jeff Langer, I think. And that was called Modern C++ or something like that. And that had some great, um, great approach to, to TDD. However, if you're not a C++ person, you know, maybe it's it's not the easiest way to, mm-hmm. to go into there. But for me, I guess, um, in terms of the whole, the whole mindset and stuff like that, I think that things like the XP book by Kent Beck, um, even like Software Craftsmanship. It's a fairly recent book by uh, Sandro Mancuso. Is it Mancuso? Mancuso. Uh, I'll check that. I'll, let me double check. Um, Mancuso, yeah. Um, so what was yeah, that first name? Sandro. Sandro, okay. Sorry, I'm just scribbling madly. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they're they're not about TDD as such, but they're about the the whole kind of, you know, the the whole way of of, of learning and and developing, mm-hmm. um, you know, this this kind of learning culture in yourself um, as a as a developer and and using the correct tools for the job, you know, to do a, a professional job and you know XP and software craftsmanship both cover that, but then in terms of actual learning the basis of TDD. Um, 
I mean, I I really think that you know doing some catters is always a good idea. Um, you know, you can find endless amounts of catters on online people doing them. Um, specifically, Kieran McNulty mm-hmm. um, has got two two that he's done. I think they're on Vimeo. Um, two catters in PHP, so you know, relevant for PHP developers. Mm-hmm. And you know, it, you you can you can just watch these and have a go at them. Um, and and just doing them helps to understand that cycle. They're kind of a bit contrived in that, you know, when you're actually you know, do, working on something, you, there's suddenly interaction between different parts. Whereas these just focus on one part. Mm-hmm. But just for learning that red green refactor cycle, catters are, are, are fantastic. Okay. Um, but yeah, that's that's where I I'd kind of start, I guess. Um, obviously, for people who aren't doing PHP, you know, there's there's plenty of other resources, and and that's something I'd like to kind of uh, sort of say as well. You know, for people that are doing PHP, um, look outside of it. You know, there's there's a lot of resources, a lot of history in in, in other languages out there that you know, okay, definitely be learned from. Awesome. Um, all right. Well, I think that brings us about time. Uh, it has been a wonderful chat. Uh, as as I find always, I, I just love to sort of do these things and just listen, um, and occasionally sort of try and sound intelligent and hopefully ask intelligent questions. Um, yeah. Is there anything coming up that you want to plug, uh, or a conference you're going to that you think would be worthwhile, or anything like that? Um, yeah, I'm I'm not actually making it to many of the PHP conferences this year. Um, or, or any at the moment. I haven't bought any tickets because they've kind of collided with other ones. So mm-hmm. I've I've managed to get tickets to something called Socrates UK. Oh, and there's yes. a Socrates conferences around. Um, they're they're pretty popular in terms of the number of tickets. So you've got to kind of be on the ball to to manage to get them. Okay. But they are really truly fantastic events um, where you you know you you get to sit down and and you know discuss things with people and work mm-hmm. things out. Right? They're not they're not um, conferences they're sort of uh, open spaces okay um so they're fantastic um and and i'm just going to go to a few other sort of bdd type things and software craftsmanship just uh, one in swansea swansea con so i'll be around at, at places like that and I, i'm definitely going to try and get to one php thing this year but i'm not sure which one it will be mm-hmm. i, I uh, hear php south coast pretty awesome I <laughs> loved it, didn't it? It was fantastic. Um, and the lineup this year looks fantastic. However, it it, it clashes with something ah, else. I'm, so okay. I'm unable to. Um, but uh, in terms of plugging things, uh, I'm not going to plug my book because it's still on. Uh, it, it's it's still trying to get the momentum yeah. with that. But I hope maybe this year it will be available. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, it was lovely to chat. Um, Likewise, I hope I said something interesting. And very much so. Absolutely. <laughs> and so what did you think of the chat with Tom? Whether it was all the various points that he mentioned, it was whether it was the books, the conferences and so forth. I really hope, it's, it's my earnest, honest, uh, honest truth hope, that you got as much out of that as I did. I mean, I, what did you think? Do you think Tom was as sagely as I um, introduced him or portrayed him as being? I think so, and and I hope, you know, if if you're listening, Tom, you you don't uh, think that I'm kind of um, I'm flattering you. Sorry, I was, I was stuck for the word. I think it's like I'm nearly forty. It, you know, these things happen, right? But I really feel that there was there was so much in there, and uh, it's it's my heartfelt belief that that if you get into testing, you know, if if you're not a tester now. But if you take the time to take it on, and you you know you're you're genuine, and you give it even two solid months of of doing it day in day out, and learning and absorbing as much as you can, you know, from people like Tom, from Uncle Bob Martin, from from so many other people within the PHP community or the wider development community, I really believe you will change your perspective on what software development is. I mean, I'm only partway through the process. I, I consider where I am. Um, an early stage along the road, but even so, you know, I've I've learned so much. I feel I've improved as a developer, as a software craftsman, so much already, and that you know, there's so much more time to go, and so much you know more that I can improve. I hope that you'll give yourself the opportunity to have this experience and to have this growth, and that I hope that it that it does happen for you as well. I mean, I'm actually I'm, I'm dead set confident it will. 
I hope you got a lot out of the fireside chat that perhaps you'll consider, you know, listening to it a couple of times or, you know, going back to certain parts with Tom, uh, where he's, you know, giving absolute boatloads of, of great information and that you got a lot out of it. And one last thing, as always, I would encourage you, I would ask you, please, could you take a moment to go to iTunes to give the show a rating? You know, whether that's just a click, I reckon a four or five star, or a bit further and leave your thoughts, leave how you feel about the show, you know, what you're finding good about it, what can be improved. Every little helps. And I look forward to seeing you in two weeks with the next episode where I have a really interesting fireside chat with Adam Culp. Looking forward to your company then. Mm-hmm.